From the University of Alabama's Culverhouse College of Business, it's Bama Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. On this special episode, hear from Keith Norton, Director of Development, as he's joined by Brett Riley, Executive Director of Development at the college. Today, they'll discuss the development team, the growth of the college, and exciting ways to get involved with Culverhouse. Welcome to a special edition of Bama Means Business, the podcast. I'm Keith Norton, the Director of Development at the College of Business at the University of Alabama, and I have a special guest today, Mr. Brett Riley, our Executive Director of Development. Brett, welcome to our podcast. Hey, Keith. It's great to be here. Brett, I know you have been at the University of Alabama for a while. Give us a little background on how you got into development, explain maybe what you do on a daily basis, and just catch us up on what's been going on with you. So ultimately, like most folks um, that have been in been in development for a while, I kind of kind of fell into uh, kind of fell into this career path. It was very unintentional. My background's college athletics, but uh, ultimately ended up making this transition um, roughly a decade ago. Um, my, got my start doing leadership annual gifts at uh, Western Kentucky University. I was there for about three years and then came to the University of Alabama uh, back in 2012, where I served in a, a regional development capacity. Uh, didn't work for a specific college, uh, but would call on uh, alums from, from whether it's the College of Engineering, College of Business, Social Work. Um, so it was, a, it was a great opportunity. Being from the outside, having the opportunity to really learn one of the uh, different colleges from that aspect. And then uh, in 2017, I left, I went to uh, Oklahoma State University. Uh, I was out there for about two years, but they made me wear orange, so I could only do that for so long. And then uh, came back here in 2017 uh, to serve in my current capacity here in the Culverhouse College of Business, where um, I now have been here for about two years. I just celebrated my second anniversary, so it's I uh, really enjoyed my time back here. We're glad to have you back. Tell us a little bit about your team. How many people do you have on the team? What do they do on a daily basis? How does it really work? So we have the biggest team we've ever had here uh, in uh, the development office. Uh, so we have a team of five. Uh, obviously, aside from myself, uh, we have Mary Jane Moore, who uh, has been here for, I guess, closing in on three years now. Uh, she's the director of development. And then we have Amanda Rush, as uh, so who is our associate director of development, and she's been here for about a year and a half. Matt Abney is our newest addition. Uh, he's not new to the university, but new to um, his current position with the College of Business, and he has been here for closing in on three months now. And then, obviously, we have yourself, uh, Keith Norton, who also, which I believe you and Mary Jane started on the exact same day. So we did, yeah. Started November 23rd, I think, 2017. So time flies when you're having fun. Huh? Yeah. So it's uh, just from a historical perspective, up until 2016, we had a development team of one. Um, so now we are up to five. And uh, hopefully at some point we can continue growing. But we, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great time to be here and we have a great team. That's great. And so how's the work going? I mean, you've got to be making a lot of progress. I saw some new construction going on around campus, and I know the College of Business is real involved with the development of Houston Hall. How's that coming? And I guess the fundraising went pretty well on that project. Yeah, so if you've been, anybody that's been on campus, um, especially near the, the football stadium right off Stadium Drive, you'll notice a beautiful new building uh, that is very near completion. We hope to um, 
uh, we hope to, we will be having close uh, classes there in the fall. Uh, Houston Hall, which um, I don't know if there's really been many other uh, capital projects from a fundraising standpoint that have um, has had that much success from a fundraising standpoint so quickly. Um, that was, I think we, was about a year and a half fundraising, uh, went really well. Uh, and the, the, the best part about that project was it really got a lot of alums involved that we historically really had not been engaged with. So it piqued a lot of interest throughout our, uh, alumni base, but also on the, uh, now on the bricks and mortar side, more on the programmatic side, we've got our, our, our lift program. Uh, literacy and financial training, which is housed out of our uh, accounting school, uh, and they really do some great work, and it's got a lot of a lot of appeal out there to uh, folks in our alumni base uh, because it really gets our students out into the communities, um, whether it's um, working with um, elementary schools, really up even pr- prior to COVID, um, they were working with inmates at uh, Bibb County Correctional Facility. Uh, and helping them from a financial standpoint, um, teaching them the, the the skills that it would take to transition into um, back into normal society, and then also working with in, in senior living facilities. So all across the board, um, our students are getting a lot of interaction out there in the communities. Um, from a from a fundraising standpoint, you know we get a lot of a lot of interest in, in what we're doing uh, from from raising money. We uh, and Keith, you could talk a little bit about this too, but uh, especially during uh, the peak of COVID, we had a lot of a lot of alums that were at one point interested in making a gift, uh, a major gift to the to the college. That and once COVID hit, that kind of delayed things. So, and with our inability to travel uh, and engage alums in a way that we typically would, it, uh, naturally our fundraising production kind of kind of halted. But it allowed us the opportunity to kind of reassess our work and. Uh, come up with some new creative ways to engage alums. Um, and in fact, this podcast was one of the uh, thoughts that came out of that time period. But due to the work that we were able to kind of put in, um, it's allowed us, you know, really the best um, start to a fiscal year we've we've really ever had. Uh, so it's a, really a testament to a lot of the hard work we put in um, during the COVID times. So, Brett, for all the people out listening to our podcast today, there may be some confusion uh, about the different divisions within the umbrella of advancement of the University of Alabama. Could you talk a little bit about how it's divided up and the responsibilities and how things are kind of divided on campus? Yeah, so uh, obviously there's development, which is uh, the the part of advancement that we're under. And then there's also advancement services, which is the uh, department that really supports our efforts um, when it comes to, you know, we've got uh, accounting and then we've got stewardship um, and then we've got um, um, research, prospect research down there. And then, and then um, separate of, of, of those two, we have alumni relations, which is where um, a lot of the operations when it comes to, alumni chapters and and things like that. That's where uh, those are housed. But development, I mean, our job is, um, again, it's ultimately um, working with individuals and getting getting them involved with their uh, philanthropic endeavors, um, mainly at the major gift level, at least from, now we do have an annual giving component to us, uh, and that's uh, housed over in, in, uh, in Rose administration. But 
how we differ is we're strictly focused on on major gifts and how a major gift is defined here at the University of Alabama is twenty five thousand dollars, which is also our our minimum endowment level. And uh, what a lot of folks don't don't realize is that 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 uh, endowment level can be achieved over a five year period of time, um, and obviously you can get there uh, shorter than that. But uh, especially when you know I was talking earlier about a lot of individuals that have been out of school for. 20, 30 years and been to campus once or twice and you're trying to get them involved philanthropically and, um, you know, they just want to know how they can, uh, what's, what's the entry level for just to get started with their philanthropy. Um, and so a lot of folks don't realize that, that you can get there over a five-year period. I think that was probably the biggest surprise that I had when I got to the campus. I did not realize that an endowment could be established for as little as $25,000, I, I had in my mind that an endowment was this huge number, and they are. There are a lot that are that are big, but most people don't realize that an entry-level uh, gift of $25,000 can actually establish an endowment. And then I think the purpose, for those of you listening today, that where an endowment really pays dividends, literally, is the initial corpus or the amount that you decide that you want to give for the scholarship or support fund. There's many ways and many titles of things that we could can do with gifts. That corpus or the principal stays intact the entire life of the gift. And so if you wanted to name a scholarship after an individual honor or memory or however you wanted to set it up, that corpus stays intact, and then the proceeds, the percentage of the proceeds that that it earns every year pays that out to a student or faculty or however we position it. So the neat thing about an endowment is the perpetuity of the gift. So if you wanted to honor somebody in perpetuity, an endowment way of giving is the way to go. So I learned a lot about that, Brett, and I think it's really a lot of people out there have kind of a, there's a lot of confusion at times. And uh, I think that's really been an eye-opener to me. Yeah, and another um, important fact about that is you can, can just because you hit that $25,000 mark doesn't mean you got to stop. I mean, you can keep building on that over time. And obviously, the larger the endowment gets, the larger the return and the larger the impact that there's going to be. Um, and we have a lot of individuals that, you know, want to set up a, a smaller endowment now and then really build on it through their uh, estate plans. Um, and that that's a totally a possibility that's a great well. point so if i so if i have a bequest in or a will and i mentioned the university of alabama in there i can always add that as a plan gift at the at the end of my giving plan once i establish something i'm doing right now yeah absolutely so that that's i think it's been a very uh helpful thing for people to know uh let's talk about fifty thousand alumni in the business school how in the world do we cover 50,000 people? How, If alumni are listening to the podcast today, how can they get involved? How can they help our department? So that's actually one of the areas that we've really focused on, really from day one when I stepped in here, uh, stepped in this position a couple of years ago, is how do we make that number much more manageable? Obviously, we've got the technology. Um, it's 2021. We've got better technology than we've ever had uh, that really – allows us to um, more strategically go about our work. But I don't think that will ever replace the power of personal networking. Uh, And I think we've done a really good job of that, uh, doing that of late, Um, especially here in the last, in fact, I I know we have done more of that here in the last year uh, than we we ever have. 
Um, in fact, we've got a good committee together right now. I think we have what, about eight or nine individuals on there. It's really kind of geographically spread out and also spread out amongst professional disciplines where we're really starting to to work with them and actually take them on visits with us uh, when we go out and meet with alums. Uh, but using the power of their network, uh, a lot of people are going to take a call from them way before they take a call from from us because there's not a relationship there. So we're really trying to do a better job of, of tapping into our, our network that's out there uh, because they're going to be able to help us in some of these conversations in a way that um, we, we – really could not get to um, until we got two or three, maybe even four visits down the road. Brett, one of the things I've observed out traveling and talking to alumni on a consistent basis is about three things that we really kind of want to focus on. Number one, we definitely want our alumni out there to be engaged at Culver House in any way they can. The only way in my mind they can become engaged is they have to have a knowledge about what we're doing. So it's our job as development officers to kind of get the word out there on projects we're working on, initiatives that we've got going on. So if you want to hear more about that, we are really, really just doing great things with social media. We have Instagram posts. We have Facebook posts. We have LinkedIn. There's ways that you can join us. You can get connected and stay current. So if you understand what we're going on, if you understand the initiatives that we have going on, there's a way you can plug, get plugged in. Secondly, and one of the most critical things is we want our alumni out there to hire our students. If they're in a position where they can hire students, we love that. If it's a summer internship, if it's a permanent situation, we'd love to hear from you because we have some amazing students here. Just, you know, at the end of the day, the product that we're all serving is the student. And some statistics about some of our students, we have 39,000 students on this campus the incoming last three incoming classes of students at the University of Alabama, 60% of them scored 30 or higher on their ACT. So we've got a very, very brilliant uh, population of students walking around. And secondly, there's so many other things you can get involved in. We have investment opportunities here on campus with what we've got going on in the investment lab. We have data analytics that also includes not just pure data analytics, but also healthcare analytics. So there's a lot of things when we say hire our students, there's a lot of initiatives that we just would love to inform you about. And we post those in social media and we'd love as development officers to come see you and talk about those things. And then the third thing that's ultimately important is if we are offering scholarships to these students as they enter the campus, it's, it's people like you that are listening to this podcast that can help us by establishing an endowment. A lot of you out there went to the University of Alabama on a scholarship or partial scholarship. Somebody paid for that. Somebody gave money for that to be endowed so you could do it. So we ask people to pay it forward, and I think that's one of the, the real neat things that we do as a group. Brett, as we close today, COVID has been a big issue, obviously, around the world, around the country, and especially on campus. The University of Alabama has done an amazing job uh, with the whole topic, the way that we went virtual when we had to, the social distancing, our mask requirements on campus. But with all that, there are a lot of students that lost a lot of internships. They lost a lot of opportunities physically at companies they would have had last summer. So talk a little bit about how people could give back 
uh, if they feel so led to do that. And then give out your information, if you would, on how people can get in touch with you about being involved at the University of Alabama. Yeah, and I'll tell you, um, it was really heartbreaking in some ways hearing some of these stories that um, we were hearing from our our student base and uh, a lot of the the, uh, problems they were running into, not just them personally, but also their family with uh, job loss and that sort of thing. But I mean, immediately, uh, scholarships. I mean, those are, I mean, with a student base of 9,000, um, and also we have a large population of first-generation students. I know that's always a big, a big, um, uh, a big opportunity that people get excited about, um, especially, in fact, that was one of the, the student groups that really we found that got hit hard during, uh, during COVID because a lot of them were having to work two and three jobs uh, to get through school. Uh, but the problem was, was so many of those jobs were, um, you know, working as uh, servers or waitresses, and obviously those those positions were pretty much eliminated. And there was there, there were a lot of students um, that, quite frankly, said, "Without help, I'm not going to be able to finish paying my bills this semester." Um, and so it allowed us the opportunity to really focus in on on scholarship support, especially those that would come to, you know, our scholarship coordinators and say, Hey, if I, if I don't get additional scholarship help, I'm not gonna be able to finish school. Um, but not just, you know, that student, student base, but, uh, when you've got, um, a, a college enrollment of over, over 9,000 students, uh, the, the need for scholarships is larger than it's, than it's ever been. Uh, our last campaign was in 2009, and I think that was like our last real big push for a significant number of scholarships. And our enrollment has almost just about doubled since that time. Uh, so I know our team specifically has put a lot of focus uh, there. So, but if you would like to learn, you know, if somebody's sitting out there and they're like, it again, it's we talk about this all the time, where it's hard to be passionate uh, about something that you don't know anything about. Uh, and obviously that's where our job comes in, especially when it comes to meeting with alums one-on-one. But um, if somebody's out there sitting at home and just kind of want to know what, what in the world is going on, you know, we, they can follow us on social media. We've got a Facebook page, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, especially, um, and really just taking a dive into a lot of the successes and, and articles that we have on there. Uh, I think you'll learn a lot about, about what we're doing, but specifically if you want to, to get together and have a, whether it's in person, phone, zoom, um, you feel free to reach out you can reach out to me directly, uh, 205-348-3687. Again, that's 205-348-3687, or you can send me an email and that's uh, B Riley. That's B R I L E Y at Culver house dot ua dot edu um i'd be happy to have a have a conversation with you or you know have have one of our our great team members hop in and um uh, take the conversation from there well brett i appreciate you coming on the podcast with me this afternoon we've had a great time very informative and for everybody out there listening i hope you've learned a lot more about what development is and what we do at the university of alabama as far as advancement So we invite you to follow us on podcasts on a regular basis. We will have other prominent alums that will be on the uh, 
the podcast from all over the country, and we look forward to making this a, uh, a regular feature uh, on the podcast from Culver House. And we will end our conversation today, Brett, with Roll Tide Roll. Roll Tide. You just heard from Brett Riley, Executive Director of Development at Culver House, and Keith Norton, Director of Development at the college. And thanks so much for listening to Bama Means Business. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culver House College of Business and what it has to offer. Roll Tide.